Hello and welcome to the Iowa Hospital Association's podcast, Getting to Know Iowa Hospital Leaders. My name is Joa Hogan. Today we conclude the conversation I had with Kevin Kincaid with Knoxville Hospital and Clinics. Kevin Kincaid joined Knoxville Hospital and Clinics in August of 2011 as the Chief Executive Officer. He has over 30 years of experience working in hospitals, both large and small, and is active on the state and federal level in healthcare advocacy efforts. Kevin holds a master's degree in health administration and is a fellow through the American College of Healthcare Executives, the 2024 board chair of the IHA Board of Officers and Trustees. Kevin is an adjunct professor for the University of Iowa Executive Master of Health Administration program. He is a veteran of the United States Navy and is married with two children. Knoxville Hospital and Clinics is in, in Knoxville, Iowa, where there's a speedway. So how does the hospital identify with having a nationally recognized raceway? And do you work together in a capacity? And does it affect the daily operation? Some really good questions. So sprint car racing is one of those big worlds that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. So dirt track racing, open wheel racing, all those kinds of uh, folks that are in that competitive side of car racing. Knoxville's the, it's the Indianapolis or the Daytona 500, you know, that it is the place. It is any of these racers, what race would you most want to win? It's Knoxville. Okay, nice. And, And so it's a long and storied history that we have at the Knoxville Raceway. And so we're very, very proud of it. So we try to be as supportive as we can with the hospital. We, we have a, a night that's sponsored by the Knoxville Hospital and Clinics, and we okay. bring some of our staff over, and we try to participate anywhere we can. On the medical side, one of the things, like especially with our emergency room, there are some injuries that are pretty specific to sprint car racing. And so we uh, are pretty knowledgeable on how to handle that. Now, Knoxville Raceway has their own EMT emergency team there on site, and they are known as the best. They're just the best. Wow. And so they kind of get things initially stabilized and then bring them to the Knoxville Hospital and Clinic. And they work just exclusively for the racetrack. Right, for the okay. racetrack. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And so, and they're specifically trained in how to get these drivers out of the car. So like if you ever Google or want to look on YouTube of a sprint car crash, you'll, you'll just be like, how could anybody even ever live through that? Then they would come and they would take care of us, and so then we'd make the determination of whether we need to transfer them, fly them out. We've been blessed to have very few fatalities in the last few years. You're talking about going around a half-mile dirt track, a half-mile on the inside, um, around 14 seconds. And wow. so you're talking about a car that weighs about 900 pounds, 1,200 horsepower, this is incredibly high speeds racing close together with open wheels and sometimes bad things happen so we deal with the families Uh, we are supportive anywhere that we can now how it can operate or affect our operations because once they come to us it's like a automobile trauma except at extremely high speeds but their safety equipment is of course amazing and so that's how they are able to live through uh, flipping multiple times at 140 miles an hour and then end up in our ER just fine. I mean, that's incredible. So the medical side is not much different than a regular trauma, just understanding what somebody just went through with that ultra-high impact 
occasionally we're dealing with burns so we have mm -hmm. to be on our game as it relates to burns and uh, inhalation of uh, the fire okay. retardants and all those sorts of things so those are all things that we know and we deal with the operational challenges that we could get is during the Knoxville Nationals where you've got about probably about oh, this 14-day span where our town grows by times 10 okay and we have people from all over the world and it was uh, you know that's can be an incredible challenging time for do we staff up do we go at normal operations because when you have that many people in town there's a lot of opportunities for multiple people to get hurt and not oh, just absolutely. race car drivers that's oh, sure. a lot of fans in town so where we worked the closest together was a pandemic pandemic was there was an awful lot of how should we do especially in the beginning when we didn't know much about it should we have the nationals what would happen and got you, know, you got people traveling from all over the world and so we just we have a good relationship with the racetrack and it's the best in the world so it's something to be proud of and so it's very important to our community it's interesting some people that come to the knoxville are like where did all these people from australia come from that <laughs> live there you know we have australians that live in knoxville and sprint car racing is huge in australia and so when these folks maybe retire from uh, racing or marry somebody local or they're part of a race team and just like to still stay around the racetrack, we end up with a lot of Australians in our school system oh, and in, wow. in, uh, in our community. So it is kind of an interesting thing yeah. how that works out. Yeah, and that's great for the community to bring in all those different cultures and yeah, oh, yeah, mix in. Yeah. It's really a high-stakes, high-dollar hobby to be involved in that oh, is okay. that is for sure because we have local kids growing up dream of racing on the knoxville yeah. raceway and they scratch together some pennies and and try to build a race car and try to find sponsors i mean you know you can spend a hundred thousand dollars just on a motor that might only last a few races wow. and so it's high dollar stuff so you have local people trying to scratch things together, and they're bumping elbows with Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon and Danica Patrick. They have everything they need from a resource perspective, but they're all still racing on the same half mile of dirt. So it's kind of uh, a great time. It's really a great oh, time. Oh, yeah. And do you have any hospital staff that are active racers or a part of a team or anything? Uh, we always have somebody that's involved. Usually one of our providers, three of her brothers were racing and now two of them are still actively okay. racing and we have always you know there's a cousin a nephew a, a son a dad yeah you know so we always have a lot of connections to the racetrack oh awesome yeah i'm definitely have to head down that way i've been to one race a long time ago but i definitely need to check that out and go it's to more for sure. oh yeah sounds awesome it sounds like you're very busy and active with all sorts of things but what do you like to do in your free time do you have any hobbies to speak of yeah, I would say the thing that I'm most involved with, and our my son and I have the same things that we like to do, but um, uh, we're outdoorsmen. So, okay. you know, I work in, a, in an office indoors all day long, so if I have any free time, it's spent outdoors. Bought, we call it a farm, but it's not a farm. It's just a hundred and some acres of timber, all timber. And so I like to work with the uh, state forester and do forestry management. Wow. It's one of my favorite things to do, take out invasive trees, replant native trees, start orchards. That's my thing. I really, I really like uh, 
you know, planting trees and watching land improvements. And of course, we hunt and fish and camp and do all the fun stuff. Nice. So we're really an outdoors family when wow. we have free time. Yeah, is, is there a lot of invasive plants and trees that are in Iowa that probably we're just unaware of or uh, just used uh, to it? Yeah, if you know, pretty much right now, it's kind of a uh, if you go out into a timber in Iowa right now and you see something that still has green leaves on it, yeah, it's probably not supposed to be here. Got it. So things like honeysuckle and yeah. all those that are invasive species. So I, I really enjoy working with the, with the DNR helps me out with, uh, e- even if it's not an invasive tree, like that's not a valuable tree, let's get that out because it'll make room for these walnuts that are trying to grow. So it's just forestry management's kind of an interesting thing to me. So I've been learning a lot about that and trying to, I bought at least two sections of farm ground that had been tilled been planted in corn soybean rotation probably since the 50s the best i can tell from the pictures and i'm reforestering it okay that's the wow. right word is uh, working with the forestry department to return it to uh, oh, uh, awesome. essentially a white oak forest and then does there some, be some prairie activity in there i don't prairie plants i don't really have much prairie wise okay. it's i'm i'm kind of more inclined to go to the reforestation got it um, i do have you know a few acres of open ground that yeah. uh, we've done like uh, some of the pollinator patches and you know for butterflies and and then trying to bring back uh, the good weeds it's kind of interesting to think about a good weed like the milkweed and okay, things like yeah, that yeah. so i find all that stuff interesting my kids kind of think it's a bit dorky but i i I, I really enjoy it congratulations on being awarded the 2023 excellence leadership award and you're now you were voted in as the 2024 iha board president so congratulations on that what do you want to accomplish overseeing the iha board of trustees in 2024 yeah that's a that's a great question and you know, maybe I'll start off at kind of the uh, uh, base, you know, kind of at the ground level, some of the blocking and tackling, and then maybe think about it from uh, just a more broad view. Clearly, there's a couple of items that are big, heavy lifts that are very important to all of our memberships, and that's making sure that directed payments get fully across the finish line that uh, is working well for everybody. That's such a huge, huge win for the entire state of Iowa and all of us that are trying to take care of our communities, those those revenues are really gonna help us push our missions forward. And I just can't express how important that was. The timing is great because we're all under stress financially. And so what a huge win. And it was uh, great to see that happen. So obviously I wanna see that come to a great ending and and that it just keeps moving forward the way it's planned to and anticipated to. CON is another thing that we've been dealing with every year. Mm -hmm. We're talking about CON and all the challenges of certificate of need and different uh, legislative thoughts about it. And you know, what do we support? What are we opposed to? I would really like to see us get some certainty to CON for the future instead of it being going from session to session to session. Yes, so what I'd really like to see is just create some long-term certainty that works the best for all of our hospitals that are trying to take care of Iowans and what makes the most sense 
and get it updated. So really looking forward to that. So there's always some of those kind of those ground level issues that are yeah. very important. And then when you kind of uh, take a little bit of a, a, a broader view, so I'm incredibly lucky to have followed Brian Dieter. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Brian's leaving, you know, as he moves into the past president role, leaving things in a great shape. And Excellent. when I think about, well, what does great shape mean at the IHA board level, that means that we're functioning effectively. Mm-hmm. Even even when the topic may not have 100% consensus or there's different viewpoints on something, is that I think that we're moving into a more effective board by having conversations that matter. Nice. I think that's a that's a word that, that we kind of use and and how we're working together, trying not to work against each other in any way and continuing to make sure that all Iowa hospitals, regardless of their size or whether they're affiliated with the system or any of that, that all hospitals have a voice. And I think our board is moving the ball a great deal in uh, that direction to make sure that people can step back and say, maybe I didn't get everything that I was uh, wanting or I didn't 100% agree with that direction, but I had a voice and uh, my voice was taken seriously. So that's something that I really want to continue to make sure that we are representing our membership the best that we can. And then also getting things out of the way for the amazing IHA staff. A little bit that I talked about uh, when I officially took took over as the IHA board chair was the amazing staff that the IHA has. This, This is collectively, I think, hands down, the best state association in the country, period. I'm taking the caliber of people that are now working at the Iowa Hospital Association have the ability to do amazing things. I mean, we've got all the right people with the right skill sets. They're developing all the right relationships, and things are just really set up to really tackle some of the more difficult things and to be able to just really make a difference in all the communities that, where we take care of folks. And so as a board, making sure that that group is positioned in the best way possible to do their thing uh, sure. and, and get things out of their way and let them just kind of let them go and give them some general directions from a strategic standpoint and let them do their thing. And so I just think this IHA staff is an amazing group of people. And so that's kind of a uh, long-winded answer to uh, just don't screw it up, Kevin. Do you have any advice that you were ever given in your career that stands out? Yeah, I mean, I've literally had a chief petty officer grab me by the ear and twist it and that kind of advice I've had. You need to stop doing this and start doing that, and I want that to happen tomorrow. I've had that kind of advice that's changed my life. When I think about that question is I've just had a lot of the right people just remind me that you could do a little more. You could do a little better. You can do more. This isn't good enough. And just kind of always pushed me a little bit. So while not directly was it advice, it was more kind of guidance. And they really set the table for me to just sit down and eat. I mean, they really did. 
But I do appreciate that a lot of people can get advice or encouragement and they can go a different direction and they could, you know, make excuses or blame other people. But it seems like you've embraced those opportunities and really worked with those opportunities. Yeah, yeah and there was a su- time. Succeeded. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because there was a time I honestly didn't really have another option. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my ideas and my direction were all wrong. And yeah. so it was just a game changer for me and a life changing conversations that were taking mm-hmm. place. I just didn't have people that gave up on me. Yeah. And so that's that's one thing, you know, when you kind of think about, all right, because, uh, you know, when I think about working with the the local school district and some of their career counselors and talking with some kids, especially I've been particularly interested in those students that just are underperforming their capability. That was me, mm. my big chunk of my life, is that I had the ability to do a lot of stuff I just really wasn't too interested in putting in the work. But when I started having people say, A, not only can you do it, you're supposed to do it because you're just wasting any talents that you have and you have a responsibility to do something productive with your life. And so when those important people were telling me those sorts of things, it kind of changed my direction about how I was looking at something as simple as schoolwork or a physics test that I didn't want to study for. But when you start thinking about, I have a responsibility to get an A on this physics test, it's a different way to study, I guess. And so I, I really do enjoy working with those students that are just maybe uh, a bit lost or feeling mm-hmm. like things aren't connecting up for them or what's the point. Yeah. Uh, that was that was kind of where I was. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's what I was just thinking. Our, my last question is, you know, what advice do you have for a young person contemplating going into healthcare administration? But it, it sounds like, I mean, just telling your story and just being there as that mentor to them as others were a mentor to you when you yeah. were struggling. Or, yeah. If, if you're looking to get into healthcare administrations or any kind of a leadership position, it's more important today than when I went through it, for sure. You're probably not going to get this done on your own. You're just, you're going to need to have help along the way. So you have got to find the right mentors and connect up with them. Also, you're going to have to be flexible. I mean, that, that was one of the advantages that I felt that I had is that I just had no life direction whatsoever. So I was the unbelievable uh, example of flexibility. I could do hey, I think you should go to commercial dive school or go be an x-ray tech. I would have said, okay, fine, which one should I do? You know, I was wildly flexible. And that that actually benefited me. I didn't have a preset notion of, of, okay, this is the first step. Now what's the second? And so I think uh, a lot of young people that are entering or people that maybe are going through a career transition, they think about healthcare leadership journey as their step one, and then there's step two and there's step three. I think those days are largely done. You're going to have to take a couple of side steps and you're going to have to be flexible. And there are opportunities all over the place. You just got to be looking because if you don't find them, I'm, I like to tell people somebody else will because everybody's looking. Like what's, what's, what can I find out there that where I can contribute and it'll be beneficial to my career track and it might not be what you plan. Yeah, just you need to be open-minded, be willing to be flexible and pivot when you need to pivot. Absolutely. Well, that's great advice and a great story. And I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Appreciate it. That was awesome. This podcast has been an opportunity to get to know Iowa hospital leaders. 
Thank you for listening and stay tuned for another episode next month.